The moth wants a star. The night wants tomorrow. The king wants what's far outside his sphere of sorrow. Welcome you back to another edition of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I am Ryan Mazzocco. Yeah, I'm Ethan. And here we are, uh, episode number 50, Slip Fighter, the Dogs of War. You know, Ethan, this is actually a pretty special episode. Do you realize why? Uh, are you going to tell me? Well, yeah, I remember we talked, It's this is our, our silver episode what do you mean or not silver i'm sorry yeah this is our our golden episode why why do you say that well 50 this is episode 50 we've done 50 of these now excited about that are you well i think it's a it's an it's an accomplishment dude is there something going on with you uh yeah no just go on go on no 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 no. I, i think we really need to talk about this before we go any further because i i don't know i'm getting something weird off of you uh, like you're just not all in on this. I don't know. I feel like I'm dealing with something. Okay. Well, um, I guess as Becca Valentine put it in this episode, figure it out because we got a show to do. Well, you know, when you put it that way, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm kind of feeling better already. Great. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm back. Okay. I'm back. I'm through it. I, I'm, I muscled through that. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 go on here. All right. Fifty. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it is. It yeah. is fifty. That, yeah. That is, and that is a milestone. Yeah. And I actually didn't realize that until we just sat down and I started going going over this and it, I was like, "What is? Oh, this is episode 50. It, it, it just it gave you something for the bit. Yeah. That's great. Exactly. All right. Let's and move it, on. Isn't a wonderful when something just falls into place like exactly. that? Exactly. All right. So yeah, episode fifty, Slip Fighter. The Dogs of War. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm impinging on your, your no, introduction. No, you're right. I have a feeling you might have something to say about this, because this does sound very familiar, uh, you know, coming from my thespian background. God, there's just... You just cannot let that go, can you? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was I was the best my high school ever saw. All right? Right, right. Did so, you win an award? Is, it, is this why it's... I keep, did. I did. did win an award. Yeah, I I won a let's, let's, a letter let's, W. Let's put the show on hold for a second. Let's yeah. delve into that. I I won a letter a letter W to put on my jacket with a little pin with <laughs> little masks on it. Excellent theater masks. Yep. So this is why this keeps coming up in conversation. I didn't realize it came up that frequently. I think you need to listen back. Okay. All okay. right. Anyway. All right. Well, it's neither here nor there. I'll, this is fifty. I'll try to put my experiences on simmer. <laughs> <laughs> for the duration of this right, show. Right, right, Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't have any idea where we were, so why don't we just go ahead and pick it up? You got some trivia? I do have some trivia. Let's do trivia for Slip Fighter, The Dogs of War. Uh, the title, let's get right to it. The title is a reference to Julius Caesar by Shakespeare. 
old Bill Shakespeare. The old Bill. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you were right in your mm-hmm. your your um your your belief that that we might talk about that in trivia because mm-hmm. that that is what this is. It's a play on words from that. Um, Let slip the dogs of war mm-hmm. is where that comes from originally, and it's interesting because that is a. Uh, a reference that has come up in sci-fi before. I don't know if you remember a little movie called Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, where there's a famous scene where that was uttered before. I might have seen that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so we have seen it in sci-fi before, and here we get a reference to it in our Andromeda, which I happen to like. The episode itself was written by Joe Reichmeyer and Matt Keane. It is directed by Mike Roll. Now, we saw his directing start with Double Helix in Season 1. And this is the next-to-last episode that we're going to see him direct in this series. We have a couple of guest actors. Lauren Heath plays one of, or actually both of, the twins that we see on camera. Um, She has very few credits, uh, basically all of them coming from 2002-2003. She plays Cece in the episode Freak Nation of the Dark Angel series. And she's the perfume clerk... In the movie Elf, starring Will Ferrell. Hmm. Yeah. So those are her uh, credits of note. She has a few others as well from the same time period, though. Uh, Jason Griffith, he is the pilot that we see on camera very briefly. Uh, He has a few uh, listings. Uh, He's been on The Outer Limits, The X-Files, Stargate, SG-1, Dark Angel, The the 4400, Smallville, Eureka, and the current Arrow series. He also has appeared as either an actor or a stunt person in many notable films, most notably The Watchmen, 2012, X-Men 2, and The, Fanfat- and the Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. So, extensive credits for Jason Griffith, even though we only get to see him very briefly in this particular episode. And that's what I've got for trivia. All right. Well, let's just keep the discussion moving right along then. You still got some voice left for a summary? Always. Okay, because we'd love to hear your voice some more. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that strikes me as odd, but anyway, here we go. The summary of Slip Fighter, The Dogs of War. We begin on the observation level, with the crew gathered for a memorial service of sorts. Trance has just lost a close friend, Mesmer, and the crew are helping her to observe his passing. Dylan asks how he died, but before Trance can answer, the ship is engulfed in a massive shockwave. After the opening credits, we learn that the shockwave was from a nearby exploding star. The star was not expected to go nova, and we quickly learn that the rogue planet Marduk has developed and field-tested their own nova bomb. The new system's commonwealth is reluctant to act to help Dylan with this grave threat. In fact, they have already tried and failed to do so on their own. Dylan can't simply sit back and watch a rogue government develop and wield that kind of power over surrounding systems, and decides to act on his own. Well, at least with Becca and Tyr's help. He hatches a plan to dodge Marduk's heavily fortified weapons platforms and make a bombing run on the planet's Voltarium reactor, since the Voltarium is the necessary component to make Nova bombs. He can't take the Andromeda itself, so he decides to use slip fighters instead. Tyr is reluctant to tag along, but in the end, does so anyway. Trance hops aboard Dylan's slip fighter too, and away they go. There's a lot of flashing lights and explosions. Tyr gets shot down, and so does Dylan and Trance. But in the end, they find their target, and they take out the reactor. Clear and present danger style. 
the end. Excellent summary, Ethan. Thank you. I just wanted to say that because you always tell me that, and I don't. I feel like I never tell you. <laughs> you do a good job. So, so. Are, at this point, are we just re- or are we just bouncing back? Is this a line? It's just a line at this point. No, because I never say it, so you know that I really mean it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm the one that's fake. I don't know that you're <laughs> fake. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I always want to know is, because this, in this episode we had it, and we see it other times, things like this. Um, when the good guys, when you're in a dogfight battle, right? When the good guys hit the bad guys, they explode. But when the bad guys hit the good guys, they just spin out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very fortunate. It is. For the plot. It is. And for our characters. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, it, nothing really. Just an observation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, here, I'll, I'll I'll see your observation okay. and I'll raise you one because I've been thinking a lot about this in the week or two that I've had a chance to watch this a couple of times. Hey, do you remember back in the first season when we used to not fly the slip fighters in person? <laughs> oh, that's right. No, I totally forgot. Had you? Yeah, yeah. Because I hadn't. Uh huh. <laughs> We had really cool VR goggles for that. Mm-hmm. And yes, Tyr had a problem flying a slip fighter. Well, at the very least, he had a problem obeying instructions. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember in D-0, that's the first time we saw the, the, the slip fighter goggles. Mm-hmm. Everybody had them on. You know, it's time to time to take on the, the, the big unknown that's attacking them. Right. And, you know, Tyr... He wasn't playing his own. He wasn't playing his own, exactly, mm-hmm. with Harper. And... Um, you know that he got he got a little testy, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the uh, the dress down that he got after that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, it would, okay, that's interesting. I see a little bit of a callback to that in this episode, and then I'm like, well, okay. So we come to this episode, and and now we're going to fly him personally. All right, not that big of a deal. And then I remembered that we flew them. We flew uh, VR goggle slip fighters in uh, uh what what was it um the one with uh, Sam Sorbo. The, the the wife at the at the black hole the, oh the transporting right. through time and mm-hmm. oh banks of the lethe uh-huh. that's it all right so i remember at banks of the lethe they flew slip fighters again with vr goggles so i i thought this was kind of interesting that we get this um now all of a sudden we have to be in them mm-hmm. <laughs> which i guess you have a season in between where we haven't seen slip fighters at all so mm-hmm. okay all right so that's the standard now yeah well i think they they kind of have to for this mission because it's kind of hard for Trance to sneak into Dylan's VR experience. Yeah. 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 I get that. It's got to be the real slip I fighter. I get that. Okay. And, and and the other the other caveat, the caveat is that um, we're not in proximity of Andromeda. We are going a long distance away. Yeah. It, 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 and so maybe remotely is not the, the way you can handle this. Yeah, that tether probably doesn't go through slipstream. Okay, so that shoots a hole in, in my whole observation there. That's okay. fine. That's fine. I can accept that. All right. Well, see, I like that. If we can find a hole and then we can talk ourselves out of it. Yeah. That's fine. No, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I can live with that. All right. Okay. Well, so so yeah, I like that. Um, Here's another thing I noticed. I don't think that our little engineer, Harper, flying across the, the command deck the way he did in the opening (laughs) sequence somehow landing upside down i don't and being okay is probably not how 
that really should end up according to the laws of physics. Yeah. Here, here again, here's the thing that shoots a hole in, in that observation. Did Rami see him flying through the air and said, oh, I need to regulate the gravity mm-hmm. on that side of the command deck? I was going to say there was probably something with the... With the with the grav or the or the inertial dampener, something. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I can totally mm-hmm. see that. We're gonna circle right back around to something we've already argued about before. Slipstream seat belts. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we need seat belts uh-huh. on the command deck of Andromeda. So we got that nice little five minute sequence of uh, slip fighter training that Dylan and Tier and Becca were doing. First of all, was it only five minutes? If- Four minutes, 50 seconds. I timed it. Okay. <laughs> Did it feel like longer than four minutes oh, and 50 man, it, seconds? It felt yes, longer it than... I'm going to break it. The Star Wars... Or Star Wars. I'm going to break the Star Trek. Go for it. Well, I already court. said it. I'm just cut over country, so it's already... Broke. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, you're it, fine. It was longer than the bar fight in Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> Yes, there you go. It did feel like longer than five minutes. But no, four minutes, 50 seconds. I did put a timer to it. Okay. On like my third rewatch. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was feeling the same thing and I wanted to know. I wanted to know. I wanted to have that information for this podcast. And there (laughs) there it is. There it is. Um, Dylan, though, in that slip fighter scene, he said he says to Tyr at one at one point, follow me down. Yeah, that's a Gin Blossom song, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Great song. But is that is that phrase applicable when you're in space? Um, Man, I was about to talk us out of this one. I was going to say, well, relative to their position. But based on the camera work, they were all in different positions all over the place. <laughs> yes, they were. Yes, I they mean, were. They were all spinny-winny and upside-downy. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the, the idea of um, there is no up and down in space, mm-hmm. when I was, I think very apparent in this sequence and for him to say follow me down i, I kind of had a problem with that mm-hmm. i'm just nitpicking on that one yeah well maybe he just means down as in the relative direction in which he is pointing the nose of his slip fighter okay yeah yeah pull okay. up on the handle you're going down yeah 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 all right that's fine L- let's go back they come back in to the ship and Tyr decides he's going to go back out for a mm-hmm. little more training. It's it's not so much that there's an observation. I just think it's hilarious, the little bit of dialogue that Becca has there. Uh, they're seeing him on screen. And, and Becca's line is, he's going too hard. He's going to have an anti-proton problem. <laughs> How generic <laughs> a description yeah. is that? Uh-huh. I mean, and he did have an anti-proton problem. Right. Apparently broke his ship up. Yeah. Um, what little experience we've had with anti-proton problems mm-hmm. in other equipment on this show is venting of gas and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I recall from previous instances. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an anti-proton problem break a ship apart. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the danger is if you let it go, it's going to explode, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that. It's, it kind of... I guess to make this real world comparison, it's like saying someone's flying down the highway. Um, You're working that car too fast. You're about to have some internal combustion problems. (laughs) That's that's relatable. Okay. Not something you would actually say in real life, (laughs) but applicable. Okay. So, so it's, you're in the ballpark. 
you just haven't got your technical jargon mm-hmm. worked out just right yet. Okay. It, it just, it struck me as in this universe, I mean, we've heard of the anti-proton problem before. That's right. been a, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a shtick that we've heard before. Well, we have seen anti-proton rods. Right. Right? Right. So maybe that's their... Their yeah, crazy guy was playing the bongos Yeah, maybe them. that's their equivalent of saying he's going to throw a rod. <laughs> because, I love it. Because we would I say that, it. right? Don't go any further. Okay. Let's just let that one lie right there. <laughs> All right. That's a fantastic... Brilliant. That's brilliant. Let's just Thank move you. on from there. Your point, sir. Uh, you know, fantastic movie from our childhood. The Lion King, right? Okay, sorry. Don't get me started. I <laughs> no, can go. It's okay if you get started because there for a minute I thought Rami and Harper were going to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. They got the whole circle of life thing going on yes, there. Yes. Yes. Um, talking about this dead guy that they have no idea who it is. <laughs> but that's as that's as far as they can get with it. Let's let's go to the analytical. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what they're saying. Yeah, right, right. No, yeah. I'm I'm mm-hmm. one with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't have anywhere else what to go was your with friend, that. What was your friend today is the daisies tomorrow. <laughs> and it's the circle of love. That's okay. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we have the rights from Disney no, to do can't. that. I, I, cannot, I, I cannot sing any further than that. Okay. Otherwise... You got, what, three seconds? I, I hope not. Otherwise, I owe money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I was so glad that uh, Dylan wasn't surprised by Trance being in the spacious slip fighter cockpit. Yeah. I mean, because you could get lost in that thing. Yeah. Honestly. I was surprised that there was another seat in it. <laughs> was there? I'm not quite certain that there was. I think I think she was just, you know. She was sitting on the floor? I, an analogy. My okay. dad had a 73 El Camino. There was only a bench seat in it. Mm-hmm. However, a family of four could get in it. Okay. You just had to sit on the hump behind the seat. Right. Because that's where I rode. <laughs> and I think she was riding the hump. Okay. I think that's pretty much what was happening there. Did she at least have a seatbelt? I think she did. Didn't she? If they're not on the command deck, they're not in the slip fighter. Well, that's what you would think. But They're, they're not in the slip fighter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you definitely need one on a slip fighter. Yeah, I would think so. Because I don't... Yeah, there's not as much... Artificial gravity control there. Right. But here's the thing. Uh If Dylan has to pull an emergency maneuver and she hits her head and gets knocked out and possibly, you know, heaven forbid, dies. Sure. I think she's the one person that can come back and be okay. Yeah. You might be right about that. Okay. Yeah. So, so no seatbelt, but it's fine. Okay. For trance. If it had been anyone else. Anyone else. It would have been a problem. Sure. Then Dylan's like, nope. You got to get off. You can't stay here. There's it's it's a safety issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. OSHA will be all over. Right, me. my liability will not cover this That's if something right. happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Because we all know the Commonwealth, this new Commonwealth, has got to have just the shabbiest of insurance policies yes. they can possibly carry. Yeah, they're self-insured. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I just wanted to bring this up. I absolutely love. Just as a moment in this episode, tears on the ground, right? He's been shot down. He walks on camera. He's got his BFG. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, his line, 
I know this is why they still have Keith Hamilton Cobb in this series at this point. Because of the way he delivers solid ground, cocks the gun, all bets are off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, there are some B-movies that have not had as good lines delivered as what Tyr Anasazi just delivered in that moment. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. Hey, how about his music player? Uh, Yeah. That was impressive. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I cannot get that kind of volume out of my iPhone. No. No, and I even got some of those other little, you know, devices that you can hook to your little phones. Bluetooth speakers and add-ons. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what? They're getting pretty good. They are. I have one that I use when I'm on my cooker outside. It's a little Bluetooth speaker. Do you? Still not that loud, though. Yeah. I mean, this thing was <laughs> carrying city blocks, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. I mean, unless all those soldiers and, are just and garrisoned and just everywhere. over blaster fire. Yeah. Yeah. In dense, smoggy air. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dense, polluted, small uh-huh. gear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying I got to get one. Yeah, I can't wait till this come out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking probably another 1,500 years before that technology is okay. uh, well-established. I'm waiting. Okay. Cool. Uh, question. So, our heroes save the day. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the factory is blown up. They, they've been shot down. They've been beat up a little bit, but they've still got Becca. Yeah. Right? Dylan says, bring us home. My question to you, how was Becca going to bring them home? Okay. See, I thought you might bring this up and I did a lot of thinking about it. And the answer to that question is actually pretty easy if you just stop and think about it for a minute. Cause you know, you got the slip fighter. Okay. I'm just going to lay it all out for you. And so now they're back on the Andromeda, safe and sound. You know, when you put it that way, I I don't have a problem with that that mm-hmm. particular plot point at this point now. See, again, that's we, great. We talk ourselves that's out great. of a problem. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. fantastic. All right, enough of that. We've had our fun. Let's get into the meat of the episode a little bit. Uh, Slip Fighter, the Dogs of War. We have um, some pretty serious stuff going on, really. Um, a rogue planet, Marduk, which is, um, they're, they're developing Nova bombs pretty much at will. Yeah. Um, interesting that they make mention of the fact that this planet, this is a planet that's been led to the new systems Commonwealth, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. All right. So they've been kind of enfolded in the charter, the current charter, and then a radical takeover has happened after yeah, they the way I understand it, it it's a, a dictatorship yeah. a new military dictatorship yeah okay so that has now led to a world that is basically a paranoid police state that oppresses and exploits their population mm-hmm. so uh, in, in order to create horrendous weapons of mass destruction which pose a threat to all of its neighbors right um you know I I don't know this sounds a little far-fetched Sounds like something that couldn't happen in real life. I don't see this happening anywhere in the universe. The possibility of something like this. Much less on planet Earth, for that matter. Oh, no. Forget it. Yeah. No. Would never happen here. Mm Mm-mm. Not at all. You know what? I'm starting to draw a few parallels. Um, okay. 
Yeah. Still a little vague. Okay. Would you like to exposit that? Well, I mean, which decade do you want to discuss? Oh, man. <laughs> Let's just keep it to ours. There's nothing going on in this one. <laughs> no, there's not, not a lot. <laughs> no, no it, it is interesting that we, we yeah. bring it up because obviously we're, we're, we're kind of dancing around the current political issue of the country in which you and I live. Yeah. Well, and a certain rogue small country that uh, is developing weapons of mass destruction and threatening its neighbors with sure it. sure the, do we want to do we want to talk about the issue and how it relates to this episode well, directly you know, you know the thing is <laughs> we I, just dive right into that maybe we need to come up with some sort of code word for naming this particular nation because depending on when people listen to this episode you know right now it's for example I don't know, the opposite of South Korea. But maybe if someone's listening to this five, ten years from now, they're going to be like, oh, this episode's totally about France. <laughs> right. You know, right. We, we don't, we can't see the future. I'm just saying. Yeah. You yeah. know, so. No, no, it really could, because in the time, I was trying to think about when this episode was made. Yeah, I was doing the same thing. And, and so North Korea, I think, was being talked about at that time. But it wasn't at the level that it is now. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like the direct corollary mm -hmm. <laughs> that we can kind of draw between the two. But, you know, at the, I was just thinking we were just coming out of the phase where I think it was uh, India and Pakistan had just gone through their arms race. Mm -hmm. Right. And that that kind of played out in the late 90s, mm -hmm. I do believe. So that's the, the more direct situation that I could think of. But I yeah. think North Korea was in the mix there. Well, I think we're missing something because season three. So we're talking 2002, 2003, 2002. Oh, wait. When were they talking about weapons of mass destruction in 2002, 2003? This, this is pretty big, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might be right. Yeah. We're, we're talking about Iraq. A little country called Iraq. Yeah. Yes. So this. Um, yeah. So so let me ask you this because I had the same thought. Okay. And. Did you think that this was a very, is this a Dylan pro Bush or is this a, a Dylan being a good guy and it just happens to work toward the agenda that was being set up at the time? Hmm. You know what? I honestly, I think it's a little of both and I'm not trying to just take the safe way out of this. No, I get that. I get that. Because I think that put this episode in the time in which it was produced it's totally Bush versus Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Even but, even though we don't really have a, an, an opposite. Yeah. It, I mean, we just hear Marduk, a rogue nation. Mm -hmm. We don't really have a person. No. I think I think they kind of saved themselves from totally selling out to the situation in the world at that time. Yeah. By not having somebody directly as a as a villain, right? Yeah. But I think you can do. I think you can get away with that because earlier I mentioned, you know, well, it depends what decade are we talking about, and I think that that's really the case. Ever since the advent of nuclear weapons, you've always had this struggle. Yeah, yeah. Um, different different nations or entities who want to use this for malevolent purpose purposes 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 for malevolent purposes yeah and then you have the other side i.e the rest of the world that's trying to stop them mm -hmm. because they're afraid right right yeah and, and this is something that we hear a lot in arguments about whether or not sci-fi should take on certain um causes 
or, or speak to certain events that are taking place in the world that are concurrent to whenever it's being filmed or written is don't mix politics with my sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But I think this is one of those cases where if you ignore it, it's somehow doing a disservice to the, the general viewing public. Yeah. And, and so even though I'm watching it, and I'm trying to remember what was happening in the context of 2002, 2003, and you're absolutely right. If I was watching it then, it would have been, it would have felt very bonk bonk on the head, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the sad thing is, 15 years later, mm-hmm. where, where do we go Yeah, when we watch this episode now? See, I was getting ready to say that, but I could see your mouth opening. I was like, okay, he's going to go ahead and say it. In in 2002, we watch this episode and we say, oh, this is totally about Iraq. Yeah. In 2017, we say, oh, this is totally about North Korea. Yeah. And, but the thing is, it's easy to make those parallels. And I know you personally very well. You know me personally very well. Neither of us are are that big into political things. This is not, these are not the types of discussions that we have. Right. We have um, smarter discussions, I like to think. <laughs> we like to talk about science fiction shows and our superheroes, right? Right, right, we lead, right. Okay. It's true. I don't think this is a thing that you can ignore. But then at the same time, I think you can also make this episode without it being about anyone. While at the same time being about all of them. Yes. Because the story, it, it basically, it plays out the same. Yeah. No matter how you look at it. Yeah. I, so we yeah. can sit here and say, okay, this is totally the um, treatise on George W. and Saddam Hussein. Or we can just say, this is a rogue planet that is trying to make trouble for the rest of the galaxies. And Dylan's got to put a stop to it because somebody does. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I... We don't have to talk about this episode in the context of politics this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we should. Yep. I'm good with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's move on then. Uh, since we're talking about Marduk, I don't think there's really a whole lot to discuss here, but I do feel that it was worth mentioning. We got to see, for a brief moment, a sampling of what life is like on this planet. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, you saw those people, mm-hmm. Dylan and, and trance and tear saw those people. Yep. How do you feel for those people? I feel bad for them, mm-hmm. but I ended up at the end of that episode feeling about them the way you do when you finish watching the nightly news. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you've been taken to some part of the world where some injustice is happening and yes, it's foul and it's awful and something needs to change. Our heroes were looking at that and um, they did nothing mm-hmm. because they felt like they could do nothing. I yeah. mean, that's very much how I felt at the end of this episode. Yeah. And it's very much like when I finish watching the nightly news, it's awful and it needs to change. But what am I personally going to be able to do about it? And they pretty much put it in exactly so many words. Yeah. Yeah. We did everything we can do. What can we do now? It's it's in their hands now. Yeah. It, it's interesting you mentioned that um, about watching the nightly news. You see these mass groups of people 
that are just continually downtrodden and living in terrible circumstances. And I think we should, as humans, be able to feel some sort of empathy. Agreed. When you have situations like what you see on Marduk, or as you say, what you see on the nightly news, sometimes I think it's very easy to to uh, disconnect because it's so unrelatable. You know what I mean? We're talking about thousands, in this case probably millions, maybe billions of people on this planet who are living this kind of life, and we we just cannot comprehend that sort of a thing. Right, because we do not experience it ourselves. Right. And it is not relatable to us. Well, yeah, that's the thing, is that we, we can't relate to it. it it's, it's way too big, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, what happens when they report on the 5 o'clock news, our time zone, when they report on the 5 o'clock news that a, a little girl in California has fallen into a well? Oh, I, I know what's happened in previous generations. Mm-hmm. People lose their minds over it. Right. Everyone is heartbroken. Support pours in. Right. In whatever form it can take. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For one person. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. So. Because, because, and, and, and again, trying not to make this political, we think about the North Korea situation. Uh, we've seen people come across the line that have defected or that have escaped and we hear about the conditions that many of those people, and it's hard to get a feel of, is it the whole population? What percentage of the population is living in abject poverty and is being exploited this way? There's not any hard and fast numbers, but we know that the situation is not the best Mm -hmm. for a significant number of people or a, a number of people. I'm not even going to say significant. How should we feel about that? Yeah, and that's kind of the question I'm asking. I know. You put it to me, how should we feel about it? But I'm saying also, and I'm agreeing with that question, how should we feel, but also how do we feel about it? Yeah, and and I feel like the answer that we get from our sci-fi in this particular episode is not a pleasant one. Yeah. (laughs) It's not not a pleasant answer to arrive at Mm -hmm. because... You can see it on Dylan's face and on Trance's face. When they when they arrive, when she asked the question, what about those people? And Dylan is like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Sorry about them. Mm-hmm. And not to say that he says that in a cavalier, dismissive way, but he acknowledges the reality of we did our part mm-hmm. and now it's it, the die is cast. Right. Well, it it was a very sober moment. Yeah, yeah, it was. It wasn't a, it wasn't a matter of factly saying, "Yeah, we did what we can do. Now we got to move on." Yeah, yeah. There was there was sincere regret mm-hmm. in in their eyes as they are which, turning away from that planet. Which is interesting because uh, Dylan sees the threat of the Nova bombs, the Volterium that's being the. Uh, generated there mm-hmm. for the purpose of building Nova bombs. Trance is upset at that alone, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yes, she's upset at what's happening to the population there, but it's the Voltarium. It's something that Dylan recognizes they can take action against. Mm-hmm. And he is, he is mobilized, fully mobilized and fully vetted at taking care of that specific threat. 
because of the danger it poses outside of that territory. And, and I feel like there's a real, there's something telling in this episode about the disconnect that he has between helping people outside of that planet and helping the people on that planet. And, and it, it almost leaves you feeling a little bit empty and feeling a little bit empty about that situation, whether it's in reality or in a sci-fi episode. Right. Right. Almost not holding those people responsible just because they live on the planet. But, but yeah, they're, they're there. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know how many people the Andromeda can hold at one time. 4,000. Yeah. But, and the more we're talking about this, the more I'm realizing that this, this is a very good episode of sci-fi in just the fact that it kind of, it pulls that veil back in ways that I have seen in other sci-fi series not do so well. And, and this just kind of exposes that, that real flaw in humanity, mm-hmm. you know? It's interesting the way the, the way we're we're talking about this is kind of driving that home for me. Mm-hmm. So what is the answer, Ryan? Man, I don't know because uh, I'm not a political guy. I'm not a military guy. Uh, isn't a Becca that says that? Okay, so what? We blew up their Voltarium factory. Somebody else is just going to come to power and start making more. Does that mean that they killed the dictator in that explosion? Because I don't remember that ever happening. No. Because that was my first thought is, okay, they blow up the plant. They're just going to immediately get to work on a new one. Mm-hmm. So do and they that just, sounds like that's, that's what's going to happen. Do they just have to orbit that planet now forever? <laughs> well, then in another six months when another star blows up, you know you have to, you have to make your trip back. Hmm. I guess. We'll be in the off season between seasons three and four when that happens. Oh, okay. So we, we just, we won't see it when they have to go back to take care of it. Okay. That's, that's my headcanon. Okay. For this episode. All right. As sad as, as that is. Yeah. Um, boy, I tell you what, that really brought the room down. It really did. Let's, let's You move took on the words it. out of my mouth. Do you mind if I go ahead and lead us to the next part? Let's do let's, that. Let's, let's make this something a little bit more cheery. Okay. Can we talk about Tears' attitude through this thing? Oh, speaking of cheerful things. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, let's just start from the beginning, all right? Trance is having her little memorial service, Yeah, whatever this is supposed to be about, right? Yeah. Um, Tear is... Ha- has a perfectly acceptable attitude for a wake. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. No, he doesn't. Oh, okay. No, no, no. He, not only did he not wear a tie. <laughs> right. Which you should always do. I mean, yeah. let's come on, people. Let's be respectful. Yeah. Um, He's got his back turned to the whole ceremony. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. You know, I, 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 I could maybe let him slide a little bit if he's just kind of leaning up against the wall with kind of that look on his face that he always has. Man, totally disengaged. Props to him for saying, I feel as a crew member, I'm obligated to be here. The sad thing was, as you pointed out, his body language was not indicating that whatsoever. (laughs) No, I think it was totally indicating that because emphasis on obligation. (laughs) Right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not, 
as a friend, right, or because I feel like I am obligated to give you some support because of all the support that you've given me in the past. It, no, it's nothing personal like that. It's just I'm here because I have to be. Yeah. And as soon as I don't have to be here anymore, I'm not going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it really does bring the question because that translates from the the funeral or the memorial service that they have that translates over into the whole attitude toward the mission itself. Mm -hmm. What's eating tear about this mission? You know what? I want to put the whole thing together and just say tears, just having a bad day. Wow. Maybe if this had been last week, tear needs medication. Probably to, 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 you know, clip some of those highs and lows that he's having to deal with. I think probably. He needs to see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Rev Bim's gone, so unfortunately, yeah, that I think help is. You usually gone. see transfer these sort of things now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Trance has got her own issues to deal with. Yeah, now. so she's she's booked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, all right. So, what do we think about his attitude toward like the mission itself? Dil- Dylan proposes we're going to take on this impossible situation Mm -hmm. and i understand everyone's reservation at that i get it but everyone also recognizes this needs to be dealt with Mm -hmm. and if tear doesn't agree with that i can okay i i get that he has every right to say that he's not going to participate and he does Mm -hmm. but he doesn't (laughs) And and then he has attitude about it, and he's unsure of himself, and he expresses all of this, these misgivings, and I was just I was left really confused about Tyr as a character, basically throughout this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that Tyr, as a Nietzschean, they kind of have a rule: they're only going to get into a fight that they believe they can win. Yeah. And he does not believe that they can win this battle. Right. Right up until the time that he gets onto that slip fighter, which kind of makes me wonder why he ever actually ended up agreeing to do this. Exactly. Yeah, he had every right to say no. I'm, and he's mm-hmm. done that. He, there is precedent. He has said, I'm not going on this mission in times past, and he hasn't gone. Yeah. What? Why? What was it about Harper handing him his iPod Nano or whatever that was? What in that exchange made Tyr say, I got to go through with this? Well, he knew there was Wagner on there. <laughs> and uh, as you know, yeah. that's that's motivational. Yep. That's for sure. That's all he needs. Okay. See, because they, they, if you watch the director's cut, they actually, you don't see the line where Tyr says, oh, you didn't tell me there was going to be Wagner. <laughs> right. Okay. I missed that. And then he says, uh, in his best tier way, saddle up, partner. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would have been brilliant. Yeah. I wish I had seen that. I wish I had seen the director's Full cut. disclosure, I might have made all that up. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. So so that's that was Tears deal. Um, I'm just going to ask you, did it make sense to you or were you left confused also? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. There were, there were okay, times when it made sense. Yes. But then at the in the end, it kind of didn't make sense that he went through with it. Right. It, yeah. I will say in the follow through as the episode wrapped up, it kind of brought me back into the episode, having him on the ground with basically his 
his self-confidence in his own ability kind of restored. And I, you know, I mentioned that, that line that he had uh, solid ground mm-hmm. click, all bets are off. That's Tyrannosazi. And as soon as he utters that line, I feel like, okay, our character is back. But in all of the 34 minutes prior to that, I don't know who I'm watching. And it, it did. It left me somewhat disoriented. You know what? Episode. Maybe that's that line. Maybe that's the key to it all. Maybe he's afraid of flying. Okay. I mean, that okay. seems to yeah. be his issue through this whole thing, right? Yeah. Not not afraid of flying in the sense that he's afraid to get on a slip fighter. I don't believe that for a second. But he, he's he, not fully in control. He does express some concern with his ability to fulfill this mission, yeah. this, this mission in the slip fighter. Right. He no, wants it, to continue practicing in the slip fighter. Yeah. And my thought initially was, well, we've seen him fly a slip fighter before, but he wasn't physically in it. And I think you're right. I think you're hitting on probably the crux of, or the, the difference. Mm-hmm. If he can sit there with VR goggles, yeah, he'll do whatever he can. And if mm-hmm. he gets blown up, fine, just dial up another one. Right. But and, in this one, it's a very real and present danger. Yeah. I made that reference again. I get to slip that one in there twice. Um, you get to slip fighter that one in there. Take it. You beat me to it. All right. <laughs> Point to you. Um, and, and so, yeah, he's able to, he, he's able to disconnect himself metaphorically speaking and physically speaking when he's remotely piloting the slip fighters. But when he's physically in it, I think you might be right. There's a, there's a, there's an apprehension there. Do you think maybe he felt, um, a little bit embarrassed or just being with flying with Becca and with Dylan? Because we know they're very, very skilled pilots. Yeah. And so maybe now all of a sudden they're thrown, he's thrown into a situation where these two kludges <laughs> yeah. are, I haven't heard that term. Before. Yeah. Are, I don't want to say better than him, but he doesn't feel like he has totally got the upper hand. Is there a, um, is there a, a, a chink in his armor mm-hmm. when it comes to his self-confidence in, in piloting, well, piloting skill? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's what it all comes down to. Because as soon as he gets back on the ground, there he is. There's old, confident tear. Yeah, yeah, it comes right back. He gets back on the ground and he says, okay, this is my wheelhouse. Yeah. I'm in control now. And he shows it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, yeah, okay, that's that. That's good. Okay. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Tyrannosazi is a stronger character than to just basically... I don't know, become almost insubordinate Yeah, the way he does. But that's the way, that's the, way the episode's written, mm-hmm. and we can't change that. And it's okay. not it's not beyond Tyr and Asazi to be insubordinate. That's true also. Yeah. Uh, well, can we talk about trance briefly, too, before we move on? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's stuff to talk about with trance. I, I feel like we are learning a lot about trance. Um who or what she is mm-hmm. without actually having that discussion whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. It, do, do I feel, does that sound correct? 100%. Okay. This is actually, even though it's hardly not at, about trance at all, this is actually a huge trance episode. It felt to me like 
this is part of the world building of the Andromeda universe mm-hmm. and just the little details that we're getting here. Her visceral, visceral reaction to the stars being blown up. Um, why, why was she so incensed by that? I mean, we get that explanation there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the stars are no different than human beings, yeah, that's, but the stars, but, stars are people too. Right. <laughs> we're right. Yeah. But at the end of the episode, we look at those human beings that are being trampled on and, Trance is willing to ride off in the sunset with Andromeda and say, you know, sorry about them. Mm-hmm. But those stars don't don't talk bad about those stars. They're they're people, too. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a weird thing. And I I don't wonder if we're going to see something more about that. Yeah. And also, let's not let it escape our attention that the Voltarium makes Trance physically ill. Yes, we did get that little detail as well. Mm hmm. Which, how come she didn't act that way whenever Nova Bombs were on Andromeda before? They're in a closed-off compartment. They're lead-lined or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Cool. All right, I got one last thing to talk about here. And actually, can you just uh, make a notice of the, the timestamp? When I'm about to say this, because I want you to just go ahead and what I'm about to say, record that, clip it, and insert it into every discussion from now on, I think. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Lay it on me. What's going on with the Commonwealth? I mean, you know? Like, I hear you, man. Like, yeah. it's, um, I don't know, man. Like, it's really <laughs> weird. Okay. So, plausible deniability. Yeah. All right. Hey, remember these people that are kind of actually technically part of the Commonwealth, even though they've kind of pulled away and they're doing their own thing? Mm-hmm. So they're doing these really terrible things, and we need to stop them. So we need help. Nah, we're not going to. We kind of tried. It didn't work <laughs> out that great for us. If you wanted to, go right ahead, but we're not going to send any backup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is such a weak government. A week, administ- uh, from an administrative standpoint and from a military standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can they be that inept? Another big problem with this is, again, something that we it seems like we're discussing every week now since the beginning of season three. Absolutely no respect for Dylan. No. This is the man who built this system that you are now living under. That you are now in control of, basically. And you're telling him, just go ahead and go on this suicide mission. We'll probably never hear from you ever again, but, you know, it's totally up to you. It helps us in the end. If you don't, <laughs> if, if you, you don't, don't get killed or whatever, either, either way, way, either, either way, way yeah. it doesn't matter to them. Yeah. And that is just a terrible treatment for them to do to, to Dylan Hunt. Yes. I think if you're in a position of power and authority and Dylan is coming to you with this request and, and they are saying, uh, no, there's nothing we can do about this right now. Instead of saying, go ahead and take your little seven member crew on this daring suicide mission and we'll never hear from you again in all likelihood. What they should have said was, dude, hold off. Yeah. Yeah. 
we need to work on something. I know it's a problem, but you're probably going to die, and you are way too important to our universe for us to just blindly allow you to just go in there with your guns blazing. It's been a few days since I've seen the episode okay. for the last time, but I'm thinking that that didn't happen or was even alluded to whatsoever. Nope. Yeah. Nope. They said, we're not going to help. Can I go? Oh, yeah. But we didn't hear you say yeah. that. So so there's another mark mm-hmm. uh, in the con of the New Systems Commonwealth. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I know you said last point. But I do have one other that I wanted to bring up. Okay. And, and walk walk with me here. Okay. Through the corridors of the Andromeda Ascendant. Okay. Uh, after Dylan reveals the slip fighter idea, Tyr is seen walking in the corridor, and he's obviously not happy with the idea. Who is the woman that's walking behind him into an adjacent corridor? And, additionally, later, two crew walk... Or, or are standing at a console as Dylan and Becca are walking on the command deck. They're standing at a console off to the side, conversing amongst themselves. When did the Andromeda get crew? Where did they come from? Who assigned them and what's going on? Well, last week they came from the Bellerophon. Is it? No. <laughs> but that would be awesome, wouldn't it? It would have been yeah. awesome. Okay, so here's here's actually a funny little thing. I know the answer to this. Okay. Um... Because we don't hardly get any discussion about this at all. No, they're just there. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, the Andromeda is now a Commonwealth vessel. Okay. I missed that somewhere along the line. Well, I mean, they're part of the Commonwealth. I mean, you assume it is. Yeah. Right, right. But there's been nothing formally said, and it's just been the six crew members for the past two seasons. Yeah. Um. So, okay, you're going to occasionally see other crew because we're to assume that the Systems Commonwealth has Has sent people people to serve on the Andromeda. So they do care about Dylan and the crew and the Andromeda. No, no, they don't. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we have crew because that kind of took me for a shock. We do have crew, but they are never involved. They are totally inconsequential to the yeah, story arcs. Exactly. That we are going to be Like keen. you say, we still really just have the six <laughs> six crew, crew members. members. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which, I just yeah. it, it was because it there's no exposition, there's no explanation. I don't remember hearing it at any any point in season 3. It's just yeah. That's a that's Jenkins over there. Um uh Val's over at the uh, the other console. Uh you know, uh uh, Martina, she's walking the corridors behind here, you know, and mm-hmm. just, you know, there she is. There they are. I, I thought it was a little odd. Yeah. Just it, now that we have crew. Right. And, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm jumping ahead cause I'm not sure how I know that maybe that was mentioned in an episode that is still upcoming possibly. Oh, maybe so. But that's just, that's just how I remember this. Okay. So, okay. Does that, that does that put that, your, that, your put, worry at rest? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> As Tyr would say, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ethan, we got a quote? Yes, we do. Okay, you ready to talk about it? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The moth wants a star. The knight wants tomorrow. The king wants what's far outside his sphere of sorrow. Yeah, that's what I got here. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. That's the Tales of Queen Kissela. Commonwealth year 5647. Yeah, my my feeling on it mm-hmm. is is pretty simple. You go first. 
Okay. You go first. I'll let you I'll let you get it out there. Okay. <clears throat> Here's what I think. Remember when was it? About midway through season two or so. I made the comment that I thought these opening quotes were going to have less and less to do with the episode itself. And I said that I hoped I was wrong. And I really felt I really feel that I have been wrong. We've 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 had a lot more meat in these quotes. There's been more there to talk about than than there have been misses. Mhm. I think so. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm not really sure what this is about. Oh, this is a complete miss. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I said it was yeah. simple. That's my that's right. my saying on it. Uh, right. it it's an interesting little limerick. Mm-hmm. Nice little rhyme there. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. It's a miss. Well, the thing I, I'm trying to say, hold okay, on, hold on while I drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to put something together. Uh, the sphere of sorrow. The sphere of sorrow. I'm thinking, what is this for the people on Marduk? Is this for the people in the surrounding systems who are very likely to become uh, victims of this regime on Marduk? Yeah. I don't really see how it has anything to do with, with Dylan um, being the king. What's what's his sphere of sorrow? I yep. mean, he's. I find that it's in its in its vagueness. It is there's enough there that you can make it relatable to the episode, but there's not really any meat to talk about behind it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, not from not from where I'm sitting. Okay, well that makes me feel a whole lot better. Okay, because <laughs> seriously, I'm looking at this thing thinking. I really hope Ethan goes first, and then he can give <laughs> me get, get, get some some kind of train train of thought going for me. Yeah, no, and, I think I think we're in the same boat on this. All one. right, yeah, we can move on. Fantastic. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on then to uh, our closing thoughts on episode number fifty, Slip Fighter, the Dogs of War. Ethan, since you made me go first on the quote, you go first on this part. Um, you know, I, I like this episode for all the reasons that you and I talked about initially on what we learn about this, the universe here, what, what's happening in the Andromeda universe because of the fact that it's relevant to the time that we live in. Right. I mean, it was relevant in 2002, 2003, as we talked about, it was relevant 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50 years before that. Mm hmm. And it's relevant here we as as we record now right at the end of 2017, um, it is extremely relevant today. And yeah, you can you you can say I don't like politics in my sci-fi, but to come down too hard on that means that you leave a lot of things that need to be talked about and need to be resolved and need to be called out. You leave those things on the table and you don't talk about them, and that's a disservice to storytelling. And in this case, it works very well. And we get an interesting story out of it. Um, yeah, the slip fighter scenes were um, hideous. I mean, honestly, I, I did not like the slip fighters in this. And and the, the, the combat sequences were stilted and not great. And that's a result of budget. And that's fine. And I understand that. And I can actually, we haven't talked about it at all because I can let that go. The crux of the story is valid and good and it's just vague enough that you can apply it to any situation 
that that we can encounter today. And I'm sure if things keep on the way they are, it will be a valid story 25 years from now, you know, because there's going to be a Marduk that comes up 25 years from now, I'm sure, and create problems for its neighbors. And I'm talking metaphorically mm-hmm. about right. Earth. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just just thinking, just projecting forward the way things are now. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Because I was going to say, I don't think Andromeda goes another 25 seasons. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. It doesn't. But uh, for this particular episode, I enjoyed it. It it resonated with me. It had that moment there at the end that we talked about of the reality of solutions for people that are in downtrodden situations like what the people of Marduk are having to deal with suck. Mm-hmm. It's it's awful. What are you going to do about it? Well, more you, you have to be a higher power than a Dylan Hunt or even a new systems commonwealth to have a solution to that problem. And it's, it's an awful truth to look at and to face. Sadly, it's one that needs to be tackled. And I, I think for that, for all of the, these reasons, it's a, it's a weighty and, and, and real and gritty episode. That's kind of ugly, but it's something that needs to be talked about. And I like the episode because it just, blah, it just puts it right out there in front of you. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching it. Okay. You know, I, I had a lot of the same feelings that you did talking about the, the Nova bombs being comparable to just about any era that you live in. And whenever you might watch this episode, there's something real world that's comparable to what's going on in this episode. Um, as far as the Nova bombs themselves, uh, one thing that they mentioned in the episode, I actually forgot to bring this up earlier. This was going to be a talking point or at least I was going to mention, you know, Dylan, he's describing the, the destructive nature of Nova bombs. And he says that Nova bombs leave nothing. There's no dust, no particles. I'm not a physicist, so I'm not sure I can completely wrap my brain around that. Does that mean that everything, absolutely everything that's in that system just... It's vaporized and just pushed out. So, yeah. So, I mean, so it's a chain reaction then, right? Basically, yeah. every single atom splits and all the energy is released mm-hmm. until there is absolutely nothing. Oblivion. So you're talking about the destructive force of an atomic bomb for absolutely every atom that's in that system. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm way off on that. It's it's mind-blowing, really, when you when you think about it in that in that term, in that mm-hmm. context. Okay. Um, so yeah, these are extremely powerful, devastating weapons that probably they're right when they say nobody should have this kind of power. Right. Except for the fact that the Commonwealth has this kind of power. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Or at least they did. They have access to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken... The Andromeda might still have one or two on board hidden away somewhere. Possibly. You know, it always seems like when they need something like this, oh, I remembered I hid another one in this other spot. Which which really starts to bring into, now Now I'm thinking about, you're, you're talking about the, the destructive power of that. The Magog world ship survived. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> it survived a bombing of, right. of a Nova bomb. Right. Well, I wow. mean... 
you know that's the thing it, it it's the world ship didn't necessarily survive it as much as the abyss absorbed it ah that yeah good point even still that makes the spirit of the abyss that much more scary. terrifying scary um yeah. even though we haven't mentioned the spirit of the abyss in how long has it been it's been a while okay but that's still a thing i'm surprised i even remembered him <laughs> the big glowy red scary yeah. thing yeah. yeah okay so i mean you know then of course that brings into quite brings into play a lot of the political questions as far as picking and choosing who can have this kind of power and who cannot and I'm just going to stay out of the real world because I don't want to get into that talk. Yeah. But but here we have it in, in universe. Apparently, the Commonwealth, the High Guard, is allowed to have that kind of destructive power, but not these people on Marduk. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not arguing. Let, let, me, okay. let, me, let me back that up. Okay. I did not say well because that okay. is the start of that whole discussion that we don't want to have okay <laughs> yeah no, I, I i see where i see where you're at yeah. here but it is interesting though that that's what trance says is that she says nobody should have this kind of power obviously she's talking about the bad guys but yeah. she does not exclude them that's true from that that's true and dylan doesn't argue the point with her no even though the he knows he's probably got one or two of those squirreled away somewhere deep mm-hmm. down inside the hull of the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, enough of that. Uh, uh, just as far as the episode itself and whether or not it, it stands up to the test of time. Absolutely. We, we've already been over that so many times. No matter when you watch this episode, it holds up. Which is a terrible thing. It's a frightening thing. But this sort of thing continues to perpetuate decade after decade. This is going on. It might be a different dictator, a different nation, a different political entity, but it's it's always there. Yeah. The just the overall um, tone and the feel of this episode is very sober. Lots of heavy themes going on throughout. And at the same time, I also didn't, maybe I should have, but I didn't feel like I was beating, I I didn't feel like I was being beat over the head with something. Did you? Honestly, no. No, not like some other episodes we've talked about. But I almost feel like I should have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, did they kind of pulled the wool over our eyes or something. Because it seems, if you just look at this episode on the surface... It looks like it's just going to be one of those that just beats you over the head with it. Yeah. But I didn't come out of it feeling that way. Yeah. No, I, and there again, I, I think the the lack of resolution that you're left with mm-hmm. at the end of this episode speaks volumes mm-hmm. about how well and how appropriate it is to have an episode like this. Mm-hmm. The slip fighter sequences, the combat and the training and all of that stuff. I didn't have a huge problem with it. I was aware of the fact that it wasn't great. <laughs> yes. But I also felt that the way they did it, I think was kind of a kind of a smart way to show the action and save a lot of money because what you have is just a lot of tight shots 
even when they show the exterior of the slip fighters, they're tight shots. You just see them turning and maneuvering. It's not like you can actually see a battle or a, or a pursuit in space. Right. All you see is just ships turning and flipping. You don't actually have any idea where any of them are going. Yeah. But you still get the idea that these are some crazy moves going on. Yeah, it, it wasn't fantastic, but I, I, at that point, I didn't feel that it really needed to be. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It wasn't fantastic, but it didn't detract from the story that was being told. Right. Honestly, the thing that I felt detracted more than that was the length of the sequence. Yes. They could have Agreed. taken out of that, and I don't know, I'm sure there's somewhere in here that they could have maybe, maybe spent a little bit more time getting tear to the point addressing tear where he is willing to go on this even though he you know and that that's another part of it that i kind of have a little bit of a problem with is even though we expect it because these are our heroes and they always win but we see in every single scenario that uh andromeda simulates this mission the furthest they got was like what 59 percent complete yeah something and then they all die Mm mm-hmm and so they're all sitting around the table saying, yeah, there's no possible way this is going to work. You ready to go? <laughs> you know? Right. And then they end up, they win the day. Yep. So maybe I would have, some of that time they that they were in the training, maybe they could have spent some more of that time showing just exactly how they are going to um, overcome this obstacle. Whatever the new plan that they that they came up with was, because last time I saw, they still didn't have any chance at getting through. I don't know, fifty nine percent, or that'd be a forty one. No, I think you. I think you're getting hung up, hung up on the fact that the simulation was if Andromeda was going in. Dylan hatches the plan of the slip fighters because it's not Andromeda. Oh, okay, is that what it was? All right, well maybe so. But either way, Tyr seems fairly convinced that they're doomed to fail. Yeah. Um, anyway, somehow they end up winning, which is good because now we have a show for next week. <laughs> right. Um, which is good because I'm encouraged to watch next week's episode now because when it all comes down to it in the end, I liked this episode. Not tremendously amount, but for the episodes so far that we've, that we've had in recent history, I think this is one of the stronger ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, agreed. I liked a lot of the stuff that we had with Trance, especially. Maybe not as much for you, even though I know that you have watched ahead a little bit and you've read ahead some. You, you, you're you quite aware of some of the things that are coming up. But knowing what I know about Trance, this is kind of one of those things when you watch something on a rewatch, knowing what's coming, Yeah, some things make a little bit more sense than they do on your first time around. Uh, I remember watching this my first time around thinking that's weird. Something's up with that. I know it's got to be something, but I, you know, whatever. I don't get it. Um, I'm sure I will eventually. And I did. Uh, now I see these scenes with trance knowing full well what they mean. And so it's kind of interesting to see everyone else go on that journey now. Um, for that reason, I think this is also a pretty important episode just for the character development of trance that that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. I give this one two thumbs up. I like this one. 
So this is a part where normally we cue the music and we start telling people how to get a hold of us and all that stuff, but we're going to hold on just for a minute because we got a little bit of uh, house cleaning, so to speak, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. At the uh, the end of the, or as we proceeded through the last episode, uh, episode 49, uh, we did make a mention that somebody, if there was maths to be done, somebody would probably do the math and let us know the the difference in the time dilation. And uh, one of our listeners, Nathan, uh, was kind enough to, to crunch those numbers for us and uh, make us aware of that dilation. Um, he came to us via Twitter. What did Nathan have to say about that? And he let us know that his quick math was that the Bellerophon passes at a rate of about 1 228th of normal time. 1 228th of normal time. I just wanted to hmm. repeat that. Time goes 228 times faster outside of the Bellerophon. Uh, and he did this by the simple uh, deduction of taking the three months and dividing it by 57 years. Hmm. Why didn't we think about that? Well, I did think about it, but I was you not. You just didn't do it. That's <laughs> what I, 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 I said. I don't, that, that I don't want to do this. That was in the look on your face. It's just the simple, well, I just didn't. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, Nathan, for, for writing that. He also uh, He also sent us an article. Uh, from nature.com about how scientists are actually manipulating atoms. So they're subatomic particles. They're manipulating them to the point where they get them to go below zero degrees Kelvin. What? No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Because remember, we discussed this last on the last episode. Right. That is not physically possible. Right. Harper was wrong. Yeah. You can't go negative Kelvins. And I stood on my soapbox for a good five minutes talking about how wrong Harper was. Well, once again, we are going to have to eat crow. Oh, man. And swallow our pride and acknowledge that things can go to negative Kelvins. However, Nathan, I will say this in our defense. It would not happen on a on a planet, right? Naturally, right. So I will I will stick to that mm-hmm. as a point or a half a point in my favor. We'll give you Nathan the half point. Mm-hmm. All right, we're not taking that away from you, but we get to keep the other half point. Right. I think the sticking point here is because I did say negative Kelvin's is impossible. Yeah, that's that's where we lose our point. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's true that nowhere in the natural universe can this happen. Yeah. This is something that's going on in labs, right? Yes. yes, absolutely. Scientists manipulating the atoms. They're doing this with lasers. Right. Air quotes. <laughs> yes. So so we'll we'll give Nathan the point as yeah. you say or the half point for that, but yes. we retain the other half. We in do. in a in a natural setting. Even on a an outer planet yeah. in a system, negative Kelvin's still yeah. impossible, so, and Harper still full of crap. Yeah. So we'll hang on to that because we're stubborn that way. Yes. However, not taking away from the fact that Nathan wrote in. Yes. Thank absolutely. you very much, sir. We appreciated the uh, the articles and uh, your prompt uh, maths and, right. cor- and correct and correct yeah. maths. So, thank you. Hey, Ethan. Yes. Would you mind telling me? Not me, because I already know. But everybody else out there that's listening, if they would like to, as Nathan did, get a hold of us, how might they reach out to us? Well, one way of doing so would be to send us an email. And you can send those emails to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on the social media, Facebook and Twitter, using the handle at AndromedaPod. Which is how Nathan got a hold of us. 
So just wanted to put that out there again. Okay. Uh, Podbean is where all of our episodes are stored. www.andromedaseries.podbean.com And if you listen to us on iTunes, be sure and give us a review, uh, even some stars. We would certainly appreciate that. Thank you. And if you're stopping by the Podbean site, you might notice we have a tip jar. We're not asking, but if you should feel so inclined, you know what it's there for. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice again for the opening quote. We are an Age of Geek production, and we hope that you will join us back here next time for our next episode, The Leper's Kiss.